Welcome to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. Good Saturday evening to you. I am Jason Kong, Cooper Linton with Transitions Life Care alongside me and Cooper. Playing her tonight, no Nicole Bruno. That's right. We're you know there's only two of us in here. Nicole and I are the the duo, and I'm like the last third of it. She's carrying two thirds of this usually, but she's uh, she is in charge of sick kiddos at the house. Yes, so. yes. We're sending our uh, our positive vibes and thoughts to her as she deals with that because uh, I I can only imagine how difficult it is having one sick kid, but to have two. Oh man, that's yeah, and that's actually. Yeah, she she's had three of them in the last week. So three, oh, people okay. have had she she's getting really worse by the party. minute. She's had a party. Yeah, I, I don't even want to talk to her by phone. I'm afraid I'll catch something. <laughs> so. Well, uh, we will certainly miss her, and we'll be nice to her since she's not here and uh, can't hear us being nice to her. Well, I guess she can. She might uh, can. But um, who knows? Who knows? Nicole, we we hope the best for you, and we look forward to seeing you back here in the studio next week. But Cooper, we've got to still got to get down to business here. We we do, and we actually have. Uh, really interesting topic uh, this evening. We've uh, privileged to have uh, Melissa Hemmer, who is the clinical director with Silver Linings for Seniors in the area. We're going to talk about something that not everybody's comfortable talking about or dealing with. Uh, and the good news is there are experts in our community who can help guide us through this. So, Melissa, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. And we're going to talk about issues of mental health and aging. We and are. geriatric psych, and those are topics people, they get a little icky feeling about sometimes. Yeah, mental health is something that we, as a society, tend to say, oh, that's fine for someone else, but I would never need mental health services. And that holds true with our aging population as well. So there's a stigma associated with it. And candidly, we live in a state with some limited resources for dealing with it. And I think I'm being polite in saying we have limited resources for dealing with mental health issues. We do. Um, one advantage that our aging population has is that Medicare does cover mental health care. Um, and we are discovering that even the HMO Medicare plans um, recognize that good, solid mental health reduces emergency room stays mm -hmm. and visits, which for HMOs is it's much cheaper to pay for a therapy session than it is for 24 hours in an emergency department or repeated hospitalizations. And those are those Medicare Advantage plans that yes. you're referencing or yes. um, sometimes known as um, Medicare substitute plans. Um, but. So let's start with what is let's start with what is mental illness? What is mental health? Maybe that's a better place to start. And how does this apply to an aging population? Well, one of the things that lots of research has shown is that healthy aging, happy aging, is not just financial resources or social connections or physical health. It is also, emotional health. It's feeling good about where you are. It's about adjusting to all the transitions. Um, we do hear a lot about grief and people saying goodbye to spouses, but one of the things that's very true is that there are numerous transitions when you are aging, starting now, with What's retiring. a transition? I mean, I, I know we have a name of our business, a transition, right. but I'd like to know what does that word mean to you? It's a change. It's something changing. It doesn't have to be negative. For a lot of people, 
retiring is something they're looking forward to and they have plans. Um, Sometimes if there is a couple, one is very excited about retiring and the other one is wondering what they're going to do when they're spending that much time together. Um, For others, it's I wanted to retire and travel, but I've gotten a broken hip and now I can't travel. Um, so adjusting some expectations. So just adjusting, figuring out, okay, this is where I thought I was going, and now I have to turn a different direction. Um, and it can be transitions about moving from the house they've lived in for 30 years and downsizing. Even if it's the condo they want on the beach, it's still going through those memories um, and going through those expectations and redefining what they expect now out of life. So even good change can even be hard change. Even good change can be a struggle, and it can stir up feelings or thoughts or expectations of how they thought it would be. Um, a lot of our seniors grew up in a time in which family was locally Everybody lived on the yeah, same street or in, in the same community. Right. You had Sunday dinners, you had reunions, and now they're dealing with a kid in California and a kid in Maine, and they live here. And what does that mean for having family support and being a part of grandchildren and great-grandchildren's lives? And how do you define that? So how does someone, how do people find you? Let's start with, you know, someone doesn't just wake up one day and say, oh, I think I have some issues of mental health and I need to have those addressed and I'm going to look in the phone book. How how does that get started? Well, generally we get referrals um, or someone mentions mental health care when there is a change in behavior. Um, A loved one is not eating or not sleeping well or is... Um, complaining all the time about feeling ill, but there's been doctor's appointments and they can't really put their finger on what the physical ailment is. Um, It may be that they're in an independent living facility and suddenly folks are realizing they're not showing up for meals or they're not participating in activities that they used to. Um, Sometimes it'll be an adult child who calls us and is like, I don't know what's wrong with my dad. He won't golf. He, he was golfing four days a week, and now he won't even get the clubs and play with my son. I don't know what's happening. So it's a change in their normal behavior. Yeah, it's something it's, different. And um, a family member picks it up, a physician picks it up, family friend picks it up, and then the conversation gets started. Why is it so difficult to get this conversation started about mental health and the associated unhealth mental illness? Well, um, I just did a training for a bunch of our new therapists, and part of what we were talking about is how do you introduce yourself to the senior? Um, And if you walk in and say, hi, I'm Melissa Hemmer, I'm a social worker, I'm here to do psychotherapy, the first thing they say is, I'm not crazy. That's a party stopper right there. Right, that kind of ends it. Um, And so what I train our staff to do is to walk in and say, hi, Someone who cares about you has asked me to have a conversation with you. Can we talk about what's going on in your life? Um, now, sometimes that's met with, I bet my daughter called you. And I'll say, I bet well, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> why do you think your daughter would call you? But it's an opening door. Sure. Um, and it's hard. Seniors 
depending on where they're at and how they're aging, for some of them, they're very aware that they are having to ask for assistance and people are having to help them with decisions. Which is hard. Which is incredibly hard. And to be seeing a therapist, they're afraid that means they're going to lose more freedom and more right to make choices. Well, they have a great fear of loss of independence. Yes. We hear this over and over because that is one of the greatest transitions. Right. And so part of what we do is to try to explain to them we're there to help them maintain that independence as long as they possibly can. And if that means helping negotiate a conversation between what they want and what their care provider or adult child is advocating for, then that's a way we can help them. So it can involve more than just the person you're originally talking with, but it extends to that person's family relationships or caregiving relationships. Correct. Very good. Our guest this evening is Melissa Hammer. She is the clinical director at Silver Linings, and we will continue our conversation all about mental health and how it applies to aging populations. We'll do that in just a bit. Stick around. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. And hey, you can find more about Transitions Life Care at transitionslifecare.org. This is News Radio 680 WPTF. News Radio 680 WPTF, you are listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. I am Jason Kong, Cooper Linton here with me, Nicole Bruno, taking care of uh, some sick children tonight. So we uh, send our best to her and hope her little ones are doing a lot better. And we'll, we'll see her again next week here on Aging Matters. And we look forward to that. Uh, coffee in hand, of course. We, coffee we would in hand. Nothing less from Nicole. No coffee, no productivity. That's right. Our guest this <laughs> evening is Melissa Hammer. She is the clinical director at Silver Linings. And Cooper, we're having a discussion all about mental health and how it applies to uh, aging populations and uh, and also how it applies to caregivers who may be dealing with that as well. Absolutely. I mean, there, there's the mental health issue of the person you love. But the reality is if you're caring for someone who has a mental health issue, you're being impacted by mental health issues and it, it radiates outward and back and forth. Uh, and you can get into some unhealthy cycles. So could you walk us through some of the elements of mental health with caregivers and how do they get support? How do they open dialogue with their loved one? Well, let's just jump into the caregiver piece, Melissa. Well, um, caregivers are frequently as stressed as the people they are taking care of. Um, there are their expectations for their own family, the expectations that their loved one has for them. Um, there's history and hurt feelings that they may be trying to process. Um, that sense of what should a good daughter or good son be doing. And then there is also that balancing act of wanting to provide loving, supportive care and respect parents' right to make their own choices. And Which when can you, be difficult if somebody doesn't like the recommendations you're making. Exactly. Um, and so frequently, one of the things that Silver Linings does is that we also provide mental health services and counseling support for care providers. Um, so if they are concerned about a loved one and the loved one is reluctant to pursue letting us come to speak with them. The, 
the adult child can call and have a consultation with us and receive therapy and support about how to negotiate this with their loved one. How do I handle this? What do I do now? I don't know what to do when we get in these situations. Yes, and we um, will link them with resources if there's someone better suited than us to answer their questions, whether that's about advanced directives or Okay, when do I know whether or not I should become the power of attorney or guardianship? Um, we get a lot of questions about, I really don't think dad should be driving anymore, but how do I, how do, I do that? How? Safety issues. Yes. Safety in the home, safety of others when you're driving and you may not be safe for everybody else on I-40. Exactly. Um, and, and so we will work from either end. And one of the things that happens is, I have found that generally folks are willing to see us once if, mm-hmm. if their children have expressed concern. Um, one of the things I tell care providers is to say, you know, phrase it as, I want you to be as happy as you possibly can be and as healthy. And I don't know what else to suggest, so I'd like you to meet with an expert. Um, that's way less scary than saying, I want you to have mental health counseling. Well, the word therapist also has a stigma associated with it at times. And so an expert is one thing and a therapist is another, even though a therapist is an expert. Exactly. Um, and one of the things that we do is we, when we meet with someone, we do an assessment. What's going on? What, what are their goals? What do they want different in their life? Um, and it's very validating for the aging population to have someone say, what do you want? Instead this is about of, you. Yes. Instead of being told you need to be doing physical therapy three days a week and you need to be and you need to be, we ask, what do you want to be doing? What matters to me as an individual? Yes. Um, I think they feel lost sometimes in that. Right. And they, and they like the fact that they are being put first. Mm-hmm. Um, they also like, uh, we get a lot of comments that we actually spend an hour with them, which unfortunately in our medical model right now, um, primary cares don't get an hour to sit and talk and hear what's going on in your life. It's, it's a checklist. Um, and that's not how we approach things. Our clients work with us to come up with a treatment plan. We talk to them about forming a team. We try to get them to sign releases of information so we can talk to everyone involved in their care. Does that include their physician? Yes. So how does that work? How do we weave the, the mental health component in with the physical health? Because we sometimes think that those are totally separate issues when really they may not be. Well, and especially with seniors, they're not, because frequently what looks like a mental health illness, depression, or a medical illness, dementia, can be a medication reaction. Um, especially if they've been hospitalized and medication has changed or they've not been eating. Polypharmacy problems. Too right. many medications in one person. Exactly. And so we always... I mean, HIPAA is HIPAA, okay? So we can't talk to anyone without consent and a release the of information. privacy law, HIPAA, yep. Um, but we work really hard to get a release to talk to their primary care doctor, to a their guardian or adult child provider. Um, we also try to get releases to talk to 
if they have an in-home care provider mm-hmm. who's with them day to day and sees things that maybe no one else does. Um, and we also coordinate with them who else is important to them. How does this work if, if, this, if your patient or your client is living in a senior housing community of some sort, an assisted living, a nursing facility? How does that work? Um, it's, it's very different depending on level of care. Um, some senior living, independent living residents don't want to know anything, uh, don't care. We just come in and out and they don't want to know. Because you go see them there. We go see them. We can see people at our office in Cary or we will go to their private homes, their independent living, assisted living. You make house care. calls. We make house wow. calls. And there is no trip charge for our house calls. That's actually a critical issue because yes. if it's a challenge to get my loved one out, be it out of a facility or be it out of a private home, then that itself may be a barrier to accessing experts in mental health. Exactly. And we, we will come to you. So what can a family then expect if you come out to the home or you come out to a facility? Does the family need to be there at the facility with a loved one? What, what can a family expect in this process? Um, there are about as many different ways that we do it as there are different people. Understood. Um, what we strive to do is if the family makes the referral, we let them know that we've scheduled the appointment. Um, we generally ask them to be there for the first one only so we can get some background history. If they can't, sometimes family is not even local, um, then we'll go ahead and see the client and try to get them to say, yes, um, you can talk to my family member. Sometimes there's limitations to that. They're like, you can tell them you came and I said you can come back, but you can't tell them what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, okay. And and we say that um, part of our ethics is that if you're hurting yourself, then we can talk. Um, and so I always tell family members, please rest assured that if they're in danger, you're going to hear about it. Right. Um, and sometimes that changes as, as you work with a client and they start to trust you. Sometimes they're more willing to say, you know what? It's OK. Bring my son in. I do want to talk to him about what's going on. So I think for a lot of our listeners, they've probably never realized, one, that these services existed, and number two, that these services can actually not be at a different place. They can actually come home with you. How can someone find out more about getting access to care uh, if they need, if they have questions after listening to this segment? How would they reach out to Silver Linings? Okay, we have a website, silverliningsnc.com. We also have a great office staff. Um, and our number's 919-948-7718. Um, and we do a lot of people will call and ask questions. And, and sometimes it's, I'm not sure my mom really needs anything, but I'm concerned about. And I take those calls. If our office staff doesn't have the answer, then they'll get to speak with me. And even if it is something we can't address, we always try to give them another place to go. 
Thank you for being a resource in our community. Melissa Hammer, the clinical director at Silver Linings. Again, that website, silverliningsnc.com, silverliningsnc.com. And if you prefer to reach them by phone, 919-948-7718. That's 919-948-7718. A quick break and back. Stick around. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you. A service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. Welcome back to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. Good Saturday evening to you. Jason Kong here alongside Cooper Linton. Nicole Bruno is uh, is off tonight. We've given her the evening off to take care of her sick children, and that's that's no uh, enviable task. No, I don't think it's the same as a vacation day. I think it's uh, a little different when you're staying at home with sick young ones. Yeah, I think she uh, she might prefer to be here, I, I would imagine. Uh, my, my money's on she'd rather be in the, in the studio but and, and deal with two sick adults but sick in you know uh, a different sense we'll muddle through and that's give right the evening off but <laughs> uh, i am privileged this evening actually to have a guest with us betsy barton who is with transitions life care so i don't often get to interview someone who is in the same organization that i'm employed by which is a real privilege uh, betsy is a hospice and palliative care educator uh, but has a very diverse background. And we're going to tap that background a little bit this evening because she and I had an interesting conversation this past week about we just don't get out of this world the way that we used to. Betsy, what, where did, how did that conversation get going? Well, you know, I think uh, we all tend to just be where we are, right, and not think about, well, how did things used to be or something like that. And so I always like to have this conversation uh, in the context of a little bit of that. Like if you think about 100 years ago, people died of, what did we die of 100 years ago? Infection. Accidents. Infections. Yeah. Infections. Like the literally flu. 100 years ago, the flu at right, the pandemic. Right. And, and childbirth. Those were the three top causes of death 100 years ago. Now what are we looking at? It's really different. We're looking at chronic illnesses like COPD, chronic obstru- obstructive pulmonary disease, or chronic heart failure, or cancer, which is now transitioning to a chronic not, illness. Right. It's not a deadly disease anymore. A lot of time it's a chronic illness. So then a lot of times people have not just one of those, but a couple of yeah, throw in diabetes, dementia. So, you know, what, what calls to when I think about that, I think about this Wizard of Id cartoon that where the, uh, the guy goes to the wizard and says, hey, uh, do you have something that stops the aging process? And the, the guy, the wizard goes, yeah, sure. What kind of illness would you like? So, <laughs> That's you know, because we're all sick born. Sick but true. Sick but true. We're all born. We all know, as there's a great book by this title, we, we know how this ends. We're all born. We're all going to die at some point. So the thing to me is, well, when we know that, how can we... Put that on the table and look at it a little bit. Think about it and figure out what is it that I want. You know, when a woman's having a baby, uh, a lot of times people will do a birth plan, mm-hmm. right? And they say, I'm going to have a natural childbirth and I want to be surrounded by beautiful music and all of my friends and I don't want any medication. And then when the time comes, they're like, give me the epidural. I changed my mind. Right. But we have a plan. Right. We might not follow the plan and we can change the plan at any moment. But we have a plan. Now look at the other end of life. 
we don't got a plan. We don't want to think about this. We don't want to talk about it. We don't even say when I die. Think about it. Listen to people when you know when you're walking if, around. If I say, die, exactly. They say, "Well, yeah. if I die, like really, if you die." Yeah, the odds are pretty solid that you're not going to get out of here alive. Pretty much. Now, I don't mean the radio studio. I think we're good about getting out of the radio <laughs> studio this evening alive. I just want to be clear. I didn't want you to get spooked. Thank you. Whew. Yeah. So we had an interesting conversation about a card game. And that kind of threw me for a second. We were talking, you, you mentioned a card game to talk about what do I want, not if, but when I die or how what happens before I die. And I need to better understand what you're talking about there. Can you kind of walk us through this card game? And will you hold the, uh, the cards up to the microphone so that everybody out there can see? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Let me tell you a little bit about this. So... As we know, there's a wonderful uh, research institution, medical institution, kind of close to us at Duke. Also has uh, a pretty good ba- ba- basketball team. Yeah. Also has a pretty good basketball team. So a researcher there named Karen Steinhauser uh, developed, did a bunch of research about what's important to people as they face the end of life. And I don't mean like I'm 40 years old and in 40 years I'm going to die. I mean like, okay, we're getting down to the wire here. We're looking at months or months to weeks, you know, being alive. And uh, so she did some research. She asked 1,500 people, hey, what's the most important thing to you? That's a lot of people. Not just a survey monkey, but, you know, a a qualitative research, really talking to people and saying, when it really comes down to it, when push comes to shoves, what's important to you? So she did this research, and some brilliant person who I don't even know who it is created a deck of cards based on that research saying, okay, when, when we come down to it, here's what's usually most important to people. And so what this game is, which is called the Go Wish card game. Not Go Fish? Go Wish. Go Wish, so gotcha. it's kind of like Go Fish, right? But it's Go Wish. And um, let me say before I go any further that this is available online for free. So anybody could go to their website, www.gowish.org, and you can play the game. I can play it online? Somebody could look online when they're listening to this show. It's kind of like, if anybody's ever, have you ever played online solitaire? Yes. Okay. Most of us have. It's the same exact thing. The card deck is in the upper left-hand corner. You click on the deck, and then you move it where you want to move it. And I'll explain that. So basically, so there's 37 cards. It's about what's important to me. So for instance, one of them is uh, to take care of unfinished business with family and friends, or uh, to trust my doctor, or my personal favorite, to uh, have a sense of humor. Gotcha. Because if I'm going down, I'm going down laughing, whatever's <laughs> the situation. You know, I want to be like my friend Barb, who had dementia, and she could make fun of herself even when she had dementia. She could still make fun of herself. You know? That's a gift. It is a gift. So, and sometimes we have to, in order to get the gift we want, we have to, we have to know what we want first, right? Be able to articulate. Because otherwise, when it floats by, we don't even know until it's too late. Wait, wait, I wanted that. I wanted that gift. So this deck of cards is about picking what's important. And we're all raised in different families. We have different cultural backgrounds, different religious backgrounds, different personalities. We even have different, even in the same family, we have different birth order. And so, you know, 
everyone else is crazy but me or whatever. We all have different <laughs> I think every person in every family feels like everybody else is crazy. Exactly. But so anyway, the point being that um, we all have our different ways of looking at this. And these cards are a way to say, this is me looking at what's important to me at the end of my life. Because when it comes down to it, we have to know what we want first. And then we have to tell people what's important to us. And then we have to work to create the conditions to get what we want. So these cards are kind of a first step. Um, in a lot of ways, I think they're a, a good stepping stone to doing an advanced directive. Because advanced directive is kind of scary, right? It has some legal language, and there's boxes to check, and I don't really know what this means. Anything that might involve lawyers sometimes gets people spooked. Right. And, you know, really, you don't even have to have a lawyer to do an advanced directive. But a lot of people won't tell you that. But the cards, you know, nobody is scared if they're going to see a card that says, to be treated the way I want. Yeah, I want to be treated the way I want. That matters to me. But, you know, does it matter more than, for instance, this other card, not dying alone? That's going to be di- different people are going to value those things differently. So they're going to play quote, playing this game is a way to take these 37 things and line them up, 1 to 37. What's my most important? It's establishing priorities out of your wishes. What are, what are my wishes? And then of those, how do they rank? Because if I don't place a value on them and place a level of importance on them, then I'm really not going to be able to articulate those to the people I love and have a plan in place that helps me get what I said I wanted. That's right. So somebody might say they want they want to be resuscitated. You know, yeah, if my heart stops, I want you to bring me back. But uh, they also say maybe they pick a card that says, I don't want to be connected to tubes. Uh, you know, I don't want to be in an ICU connected to a ventilator. Um, so when we come back in a few minutes... We're going to weave this conversation into that larger discussion about advanced directives. We're having a conversation with Betsy Barton. She's a hospice and palliative care educator with Transitions Life Care. And man, we're having a good conversation. Can't wait to continue it. Stick around. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. News Radio 680 WPTF, you're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. I'm Jason Kong, Cooper Linton here with me, and Betsy Barton is our guest this evening. She is the hospice and palliative care educator for Transitions Life Care. And Cooper, we're having a conversation about advanced directives, and this is a, a recurring theme, but a very important theme that we always discuss on the show. Well, and it's not a randomly reoccurring theme. Uh, you know, we we actually started uh, most recently this discussion right after the holidays uh, with Secretary of State Elaine Marshall, mm-hmm. who, in addition to being the Secretary of State, is also uh, a former practicing attorney working in family law. So she had a background in advanced directives and also the hosts the um, online registry for the state of North Carolina through the Secretary of State's website. This theme of advanced directives is going to continue throughout really the first quarter of 2018, and it's because we're wanting to elevate this conversation 
and um, get folks engaged on it because we're actually going to have a workshop coming up in April to do uh, advanced directives for free and to riff off of something Betsy said earlier. We're going to do this without having to pay for an attorney. And we're going to have some attorneys there, but they're going to be free. So uh, somebody else is footing the bill for that. And Betsy, you're really setting the stage for a discussion about advanced directives with the Go Wish cards, which are really talking about what do I want? How do I prioritize what I want? And now that I've got the things that I want, I've got to have a plan to get them. To, to realize that That's what right. is, how, how do we can you pick can you pick us up from there yeah yeah I think uh, you know so it's a pretty orderly process really you have to figure out what you want first you have to know what your options are so so what do I pick you know, from right you know think about if you go to the K&W cafeteria and you you know you load up your your plate with whatever's first and then you get a little further down the line you think oh man they had mac and cheese I didn't know they had that today I already filled up my plate. You got to go with the mac and cheese. We've all been there, right? Oh yeah, I'm there right now. (laughs) Sorry, y'all. I got to (laughs) go. So you know, there's a large menu. There's a large cafeteria line of options of medical care or family support at the end of life, and so uh, you know, it's the same kind of deal, maybe just uh, not mac and cheese. So what do Um, I get to pick from? I got to know what my options are, then I can prioritize them. Yep. So you got to know what your options are, and you got to think about: Well, do I want uh, you know? Do I want the full court press? Do I want everything? Or do I want um, to be able to, you know, die peacefully uh, and just allow a natural death to happen? Um, or is it somewhere in between? So in an advanced directive, you pick whatever you want. It's about what you want the way you want it. This is a time to pick what do you prefer. I think there's a misconception at times that having an advanced directive means that I don't want to have care and that I fill one out to avoid having invasive procedures done to me at end of life. But in reality, it's just establishing what you do want, not necessarily what you don't want. That's exactly right. It's really, well, it's a little bit of both. Yeah. Here's what I want, and here's what I don't want. Here's what I prefer. Here's what I really don't want. You don't want somebody, you know, at the end of life saying, uh, you're getting spinach. You're getting all the big plate of spinach, you know, because this is what I think you should have. You you know, an advanced directive is to someone to say this is what i would like um and we call that a living will typically right that's right so we call that a living will and i think in my opinion the most important thing that we can have is an educated healthcare proxy so what is that a healthcare proxy or agent or representative those are all words we hear really that means this is the person who knows what i want and they're going to be at my bedside saying hey she doesn't want that. You know, she doesn't want a feeding tube. And how do I know this? Well, because it's in her advanced directive, which has been signed, witnessed, and notarized, which makes it legally valid in the, in the state of North Carolina. It can't be written on the back of a napkin and you never showed anybody else. It has to be signed, witnessed in front of a notary, and notarized. Um, and that's the kind of thing that people can do when they come to the workshop at Transitions Life Care. They can... They can get that done. Um, so the healthcare proxy, though, you know, I really emphasize that because we never know what's going to happen, right? I could come home, go home from this radio show tonight, and get hit by the proverbial truck on the highway. So can I put you on the spot with something? Sure. Have you ever been a healthcare proxy? 
I have. I have, actually. Um, I like to say when I'm doing presentations about this that, yeah, I got book learning and, yeah, I got work experience, but really I have a Ph.D. in the School of Hard Knocks because my sister died of Lou Gehrig's disease in California while I was living in North Carolina with a two-year-old and a dying mother in New Jersey. So I could not be everywhere at once. And so I had a lot of conversations with my sister about, okay, so we know where this is going. Um, what's important to you? I really need you to say it out loud and let's get it. Let's really look at what's, what's this going to look like for you. Because for, for listeners who don't know, Lou Gehrig's is a fatal neurological disease with no cure. And most people live two to five years with this disease. Also known as ALS. That's right. And uh, so we had a lot of conversations. We sat down together. She ordered, this was before the age of so much internet. She ordered a DVD through the mail and we looked at it together about what's it like to live on a ventilator when you have Luke Gehrig's disease. And we looked at that together and then I went in the bathroom and cried. And then I came back in and we talked about it. And... But the bottom line is that she died the death she wanted. She wanted to be alive for her. She wanted to be alive as long as she could see the smile on someone's face. Life was worth living until the moment where she was completely locked in, which is what happens when you have Lou Gehrig's. You can't move a muscle. You can't even say yes or no by moving your eyes to the right or left. And when that time came, that's when she said, okay, that's, that's when I want you to withdraw life support. And that's what she picked, not what anybody picked for her. Exactly. I don't know that that's what I would pick. I don't know that that's what you would pick, but that's what she picked. And she she got what she wanted. Because she had a, established she, a health care proxy. She had an ALS-specific health care directive that was written down, and she had a health care, she had actually two health care proxies, my physician sister and myself. And we were very clear with ourselves who was the decider and who was the consultant. And, um, you know, we had a pecking order. And it's it important was clear. to know who's in charge and also, by contrast, who's not in charge. Exactly. That's Particularly right. Particularly in large families where there may be, well, let's be honest, we can have disagreement over what we're going to have for Thanksgiving dinner. We can certainly have disagreement over end of life care. That's right. And the thing to remember about this is that when family members know um, what their loved one's wishes are, the rates of post-traumatic stress disorder, depression, um, even feeling like committing suicide down the road, those things are drastically reduced. When we know what our loved ones want and we've had this conversation with them, then we allow them to die the death that they want to live, to, that they want to die. And, and we don't have to be uh, have filled with regrets or guilt or those kind of things. Well, and I think that's where we realize, folks don't always realize that an advanced directive has health benefits, not just for the person who filled them out, but for the caregivers who are involved in the care. And we sometimes refer to advanced directives as the uncomfortable gift. Because I have to talk about, not if, to your point, Betsy, i got to talk about when I'm going to die, what I want, who's going to be in charge, and do that for myself, but also for the people that love me and that I love. That's right. You know, and, and really, it's often more more about the people that we love. 
So if someone wanted to understand more about the Go Wish game, or they wanted to find out more about advanced directives, or they wanted a speaker to come out and talk to their group about advanced directives or the Go Wish game, how, how would they reach you or reach uh, those of us at Transitions Life Care? They would just call the Transitions Life Care switchboard, and um, I'm sure you have the number at the top of, on the top of your head, but that is something that we do. We go out to community groups. We go out to skilled nursing facilities. We talk to people about what are all these tools and how do you use them. And then, you know, people can also go to the website, www.gowish.org, which is a nonprofit organization, and you can check out that game for free. So what is that number, since I bet you have it at the top of your head? Oh, it's 919-828-0890. Jason's going to close the segment with telling folks how to get to our website, but anticipate that you're going to hear more in the next couple months about advanced directives, because we really want to have a stronger dialogue in our community about these these documents and how they can benefit patients, their loved ones, their families, and their caregivers. It's very important, and we will continue to have that discussion. And Betsy Barton, hospice and palliative care educator with Transitions Life Care, thank you so much for being a part of that conversation tonight. We really appreciate you joining us. Thank you. I was glad to be here. We are just about out of time. I want to remind everyone you can go to transitionslifecare.org if you want to get a hold of Betsy, or uh, again, uh, gowish.org was the uh, the website for the, uh, the very neat card game that Betsy discussed as well. You can find a a copy of this episode on WPTF.com. Head over to the host section and look for Aging Matters, and you can find this episode along with every other episode that we've done if you want to catch up there. Uh, On behalf of Cooper Linton and the the absent Nicole Bruno, who's uh, away tending to her her under-the-weather children tonight, I'm Jason Kong. Thank you so much for listening. You've been listening to Aging Matters, care and that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. Have a great night.